0: "'Don't want me speak the word, Parkins. I shan't be offended. Truth, as you always tell us, is never offensive.' Parkins was, indeed, scrupulously polite and strictly truthful. It is to be feared that Mr. Rogers sometimes practised upon his knowledge of these characteristics. In Parkins' breast there was a conflict now raging which for a moment or two did not allow him to answer.' That interval being over, he said, Well, if you want the exact truth, Rogers, I was considering whether the room I speak of would really be large enough to accommodate us both comfortably, and also whether, mind, I shouldn't have said this if you hadn't pressed me, you would not constitute something in the nature of a hindrance to my work. Rogers laughed loudly. Well done, Parkins, he said. "'It's all right. I promise not to interrupt your work. "'Don't you disturb yourself about that. "'No, I won't come if you don't want me, "'but I thought I should do so nicely to keep the ghosts off.' "'Here he might have been seen to wink and to nudge his next neighbour. "'Parkins might also have been seen to become pink. "'Oh, I beg pardon, Parkins,' Rogers continued. "'I oughtn't to have said that. "'I forgot you didn't like levity on these topics.' "'Well,' Parkins said, "'as you have mentioned the matter, "'I freely own that I do not like careless talk "'about what you call ghosts. "'A man in my position,' he went on, "'raising his voice a little, "'cannot, I find, be too careful "'about appearing to sanction "'the current beliefs on such subjects. "'As you know, Rogers, or as you ought to know, "'for I think I have never concealed my views.' "'No, you certainly have not, old man.' "'Put in Rogers, sotto voce.' I hold that any semblance, any appearance of concession to the view that such things might exist, is equivalent to a renunciation of all that I hold most sacred. But I'm afraid I've not succeeded in securing your attention. Oh, your undivided attention was what Dr. Blimber actually said. Rogers interrupted with every appearance of an earnest desire for accuracy. But I beg your pardon, Parkins, I'm stopping you. Mr. Rogers was wrong. V. D. Dombey and Son, Chapter 12 No, not at all, said Parkins. I don't remember, Blimber. Perhaps he was before my time. But I needn't go on. I'm sure you know what I mean. Oh, yes, yes, said Rogers rather hastily. Just so. We'll go into it fully at Burnstow, or somewhere. In repeating the above dialogue, I have tried to give the impression which it made on me that Parkins was something of an old woman, rather hen-like, perhaps, in his little ways. Totally destitute, alas, of the sense of humour, but at the same time dauntless and sincere in his convictions, and a man deserving of the greatest respect. Whether or not the reader has gathered so much, that was the character which Parkins had. On the following day Parkins did as he had hoped, succeed in getting away from his college and in arriving at Burnstow. He was made welcome at the Globe Inn, was safely installed in the large double-bedded room of which we have heard, and was able, before retiring, to rest, to arrange his materials for work, in apple-pie order, upon a commodious table which occupied the outer end of the room and was surrounded on three sides by windows looking out seaward. That is to say, the central window looked straight out to sea, and those on the left and right commanded prospects along the shore to the north and south, respectively. On the south you saw the village of Burnstow. On the north no houses were to be seen but only the beach and the low cliff backing it. Immediately in front was a strip, not considerable, of rough grass dotted with old anchors, capstans and so forth. Then a broad path. Then the beach. Whatever may have been the original distance between the Globe Inn and the sea, not more than sixty yards now separated them. The rest of the population of the inn was, of course, a golfing one, and included few elements that call for a special description. The most conspicuous figure was perhaps that of an ancien militaire, secretary of a London club, and possessed a voice of incredible strength and of views of a pronouncedly Protestant type. These were apt to find utterance after his attendance upon the ministrations of the vicar, an estimable man with inclinations towards a picturesque ritual, which he gallantly kept down as far as he could out of deference to East Anglian tradition. Professor Parkins, one of whose principal